You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm really happy to be here tonight. Mm. You asshole. Ah, <laughs> uh, hi. Oh, Chris is already walking around the studio, just just pandering yeah, about. I'm blowing my eardrums out. Oh, your your <laughs> your level was too high. My levels were too hot. Too hot. These levels are just too hot for you, baby. Yeah. This is the real crime. Episode number eighty-five. We are I'm so sick. old. Michelle's. Are you still sick, Michelle? No, I'm pretty much over it now. Okay. Chris has HIV. <laughs> That's oh. not even funny. Yeah, it probably isn't. I shouldn't say that. Sorry. Okay. Sorry to all well, the HIV people out there. It's too late. It but already happened okay. now. Uh, yeah. Okay. But we're here. <laughs> we're, we, 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 but, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just, just call the lawyer. Uh, last week, we weren't here. We were all a wreck. Last week was not a good week. No, it wasn't a good week. And you know what? I don't know if you wanted to mention this or not, Chris, but I did, I did want to mention it out of respect. Out of pure respect. Our studio dog. Well, you know what? I'm sorry, Chris. Do you want the floor on this one? No, 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 no. It's all good. Um, our studio dog, Marla, uh, she, she's no longer with us, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, Chris's dog, Chris's beloved dog, um, she passed away what day? Uh, last week, Wednesday, I believe it was. Last Wednesday. I don't even want to think about the day, though. Yeah, you know. and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring this up, Chris. No, honestly, it's okay. But I, okay. I really did want to out of respect because she was a fucking awesome dog. Super cool to all of us. She was always yeah, there to greet us. Yeah, she was a cool dog. Um, and I hate to start shows off like this, but it has to be done sometimes. Um, great dog, cool dog. And, you know, it just hurts when to see somebody. And I know, Sam, mm-hmm. you just went through the same thing yourself, too. Yes, this is the true. Show. So My it's like boxer died a few days ago. So why the hell are we here tonight? I mean, this is just. <laughs> I guess life goes on. right? It does. It keep, does. Keep it really does. On. And but I mean, at least for our studio dog, Marla. Uh, rest in peace. Um, all respect. Uh, what a great pooch she was. Uh, always here to greet us. Always here to say hello when we came here to do this show. And it's going to be really strange for a while here not seeing her running up. Like even tonight. Like I yeah. her just to yeah. run up and, hey, what's up? I want to pay attention to me. The, you know, <laughs> the usual stuff, you know. Um, so that sucks. Um, but, you know, out of respect for one of the members of the team who's no longer with us, Marla, rest in peace. Um, and let's just, let's go on. Because I'm yeah, start, let's move on, because we're all going to start crying. <laughs> start crying. Don't cry, Michelle. I don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move along here. Chris, what do we got? Well, uh, first thing we want to mention our sponsors, projectorscreen.com. Make sure to check them out online. And also the Flint Institute of Arts. Their, uh, their seasonal movie season is just kicking off. So check out what films they've got up there. Great place. So that's it we got for sponsors this week. Mm. In the news, uh, yes. there's quite a bit going on today, actually. Um, yeah. First thing I want to mention is a lot of people are going to be talking about this one tonight. But Warner Brothers has officially announced that they are making a Jared Leto Joker movie. Um, Initially thought that he might leave that role after everything that's gone on, the disastrous things that have happened in the DCEU. Jared Leto is going to be making a Joker movie, and he's on board (laughs) as a producer also. It's very sad. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I liked him in that role. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually a fan. I'm a huge fan of Jared Leto in general. Yeah, I love Jared Leto. Yeah. Mr. Nobody, we watched that the other day. Mr. Oh, yeah, Nobody is an amazing film. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing film. 
um, Requiem for a Dream oh, is God. one of my favorite movies oh, of all time. Of course. So, yeah. Completely nuts. Um, that's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. In other news, <laughs> sadly, Solo is a massive, massive loss for Disney. Apparently, nobody was interested, as we said months and months and months ago. I personally love Leave it the fuck alone. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> it is apparently too much to ask, but the film they're estimating low that it's going to lose $50 million, but more than likely $80 million. They're oh, going to be in the hole for this boy, one. Boy, man, I wonder how they're going to ever recover. <laughs> Make another Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, a bunch more Star Wars. Sand people. The movie. Is this the first Star Wars that's ever flopped? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Even it should be assigned to them then. Hmm. Even the Clone Wars movie, it only cost them eight point five million dollars to make, and it made like sixty five million for that little animated movie. Yeah. This is huge bad. Maybe the cow's a bit dry right now. Maybe. <laughs> Nothing more to milk. I don't know what else to say. I yeah. mean it's just give it a fucking break already. Yeah. I, I I enjoy this stuff. I mean, I think we all do, but, and we've all been kind of rolling our eyes when we heard the announcement for the solo film. We were like, oh, not, not, come on, really? This is the most, one, if not the most important character in this franchise. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's move on. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm depressed enough already. <laughs> so, in other news, Helena Bonham Carter is rumored to be taking on the villain role in the upcoming Bond 25. Yeah. Which would be pretty cool yeah. for them to actually switch it up for a James Bond movie again, have a female villain. I'm kind of excited for that because she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's badass. Yes, she is. And then in other news, the Heathers reboot is officially dead. Yeah. Uh, they've decided just to pull it. So, so long, Heathers, <laughs> shitty reboot. And then... <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead. The other interesting thing that I saw today was the teaser trailer for Bumblebee. Okay, thank you for bringing that up. Speaking of... What? <laughs> just, just saying. I, that's the sound of a cow being milked. Right. Yes, it is. Okay, so I saw... I hate all the Transformers movies, the Bayformers, with with like the fire of 10 million suns. I think they're the they're flaming fucking garbage piles. And this movie didn't look like a flaming garbage pile to me. It looked like... Because for one, it's got a better director. Uh, it's not... Who isn't... Uh, Michael Bay. Uh, it's the guy that directed Kubo and the uh, Two Strings. Two strings. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. it's actually like a good director. Um, they look like they have their old style. Well, they're uh, they're sticking designs. it true to yeah. They're going true to form. Actually, what Bumblebee really yeah. was back in the day. And Starscream, and Starscream totally had also. his G one look to it. The like same, it was red and yeah. everything well, else. They're, like, all, they're both G one. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. It's yeah. like uh, when I saw that Starscream. When I saw Starscream, I'm like, oh, dude, I've done that transform. I have that shit at home. That's exactly how that thing transformed. Nose coming down. Yeah. Super cool stuff. So that is kind of exciting to see that. Uh, it did look pretty cool. I was but surprised. It, because, but it was the same. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Michelle. Well, no, it just looks it looks like maybe they're doing something different because honestly, the last two Transformers Terrible. movies have been so bad. Terrible. Like they they don't they're like they don't even make sense from like story standpoints anymore. They basically just smash together action scenes so they can sell it in China. And like and I'm not saying that to be like stupid or anything. Like if you look at their grossing, they grow. They actually don't make shit for money here anymore. And their uh, international gross in China <laughs> is insane 
they is actually it, make them for the overseas audience now. Isn't They're that what happened to Pacific Rim too? I mean, have we heard anything about that film at all since it came out here? It's but I heard, I heard it's doing very well soon. I heard it's doing very well in China though. Yeah, well, you know they they make the movies like that now. Yeah. Those big yeah. blockbusters. Well, the, some some of them, not all of them, but the Transformers films have definitely been doing that. So I like that. You know, maybe with Bumblebee, they'll make like a more simplistic, keep it simple. You know, I like the 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 chick with the robot dynamic. I think that'll be interesting and different. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it'll it'll be something definitely to go see obviously um and we'll just have to see what happens when it comes i'm sure they'll have about four more trailers come out yeah since his name is sam he needs to yell something you know it's actually funny that you guys are talking about these movies because i actually went to art center where michael bay went to school oh really right i mean i don't like him at all but you know (laughs) and also i met uh, his mother doesn't even like him right i also met guillermo del toro in uh pasadena as well after pacific rim the screening did you make out with him he gave me a little deal that was oh, okay. That was he's like the got. most adorable man. He's very nice. I would have grabbed him and kissed him softly. Do you <laughs> like Do you like Pacific Rim? I like Pacific Rim. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good, and like a lot of people didn't like I it. I love Pacific Rim. Did you see Uprising? I did. Sam? Not, I, I didn't did see not. That one. It's interesting. I was it was like, okay. It was, was decent like, for a sequel. I was like, no Del Toro. I don't even want to look at that shit. I saw Shape of Water, and I thought <laughs> that was pretty great. That movie's yeah. fantastic. I'm I glad I got movie. Best Picture. Yeah. And I'm worrying you guys. I mean, the, the rest of the show, you're just gonna. I'm doing my best at this kind of. We don't. We don't. We don't have a cough button here on these mics, so I'm kind of jumping off the mic <laughs> like that. <and laughs> Is I'm that really, a thing? Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, in the studio, a lot of studios have. Like I mean, a not, mute button. No, a mute, well, it's a cough button. So oh. a lot of times, in some studios, they have a foot pedal. You can actually step on and we can cut you right out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I want to get a foot oh, pedal okay. that like yeah, Mister Mister Gadget over here. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. find. <laughs> Where are your cough pedals over here? It's, 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 the, farting sound. it's the whoopee button. It'll make a farting sound. <laughs> <when you> step <laughs> on it. <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to throw out there for news too, Chris, if you don't mind, this is more on the TV front, and it I, it may even border the tabloid front, but I like Roseanne. I like the show, but yeah, obviously we've heard all the news about that maniac, what's went on, and the bullshit that she pulled. She can eat my poo now. Yeah, well, yeah. Now in a bowl, a silver <laughs> platinum, just bowl. a silver. She doesn't yeah. deserve a bowl. Freshly yeah. shine. Right oh, she's ridiculous. <laughs> she's a mentally ill person. She, yeah. she has problems, right? But they're talking about like this is in the news right now. They're talking about going on for a season two without yeah. her. They're gonna kill off fucking Roseanne. Well, because wow. from what I understand, she went into surgery in the last episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kill her. Kill her. Kill the character off in the hospital and then have the hospital burned down. Actually, no, have her well not this is this is Chris's fantasy. This is what's going on in Chris's <laughs> mind. Have her get out of the hospital with a successful surgery. As she's walking out, have a bus run her over, throw it in reverse, run her over again, put it in forward, run her over again, <laughs> throw it in reverse. Yeah, that's Chris's like that's what he's waxing. You could, himself. Al- you could always yeah. go the Poochie route and just have her return to her home planet. Mm. Like oh. all the Simpsons. Oh yeah, the Golden Age Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of a, that's some interesting stuff that's uh, that's surfaced the last couple of days. Also, I'm sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to jump on your news. That's okay. So in new releases this week, we're getting Ocean's Eight, and we're Where's getting that fart button at, and we're getting <laughs> we're getting Hereditary, which that looks ooh, that, that looks, looks pretty, pretty cool. Great. I'm, I'm excited, excited for that. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah that looks yeah, really yeah. good. So suggested viewings this week, Chris. I'm I got two. First thing I'm going to suggest is Solo because I think people do need to see it. I think there's enough good in the movie that people need to check out. And then I might be stomping on Michelle. If you shit say upgrade, here. I'm going to be pissed. I was going to, but I'll let you do that one. <laughs> you still okay, every I'm say week. Solo. Okay. <laughs> okay, Michelle, go ahead. Your turn, Michelle. 
<laughs> my re- I, I also <laughs> recommend Solo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen it. Uh, but it, it, I am going to recommend Upgrade because Upgrade is like seriously in my top 10 for the year. It's like this really fun genre film uh, slash cyberpunk, a little bit of body horror going on. Okay. Uh, it's directed by, I can never say his last name right, uh, but it's the guy that wrote Saw and Insidious. Lee Wynell. Lee Wynell. Lee Wynell. Wynell. Actually, I don't like Saw and I don't like Insidious, so I was really surprised oh, that dude, this was Insidious good. Insidious great. Come on. I fell asleep, actually. Insidious? Yeah. <laughs> I loved all those. But Upgrade is like this great. really fun, gory, violent, uh, I like to call these type of movies high concept, low budget. Like, uh, you know, it... it it d- it shouldn't work, but it does, and it's a lot of fun. Well, and good story. Really cool yeah, a good story stands yeah. on its own. You don't you know exactly. don't need yeah. that shit. Um. So, and I, I want more films like this to get made. These kind of mid budget pictures where uh, they can kind of play around with ideas and not have to worry about starting franchises and stuff. Um. It, it, I would say like a short way to say it. It's like a trashy episode of Black Mirror. Okay. If you want like a little short way to to shorthand for it, but that's my recommendation. All right, Sam. Um, does it have to be of this week's release? No. No. Okay. I would recommend You Were Never Really Here, the new Joaquin oh, Phoenix movie. Have you guys right. seen it? Yeah, it was yes. fantastic. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's on that Netflix, isn't it? Pretty, it was pretty disturbing. I think I it's going to be on Amazon Prime. because it's on Netflix yet. Amazon Studio made it, so it's probably on else. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, though. Okay. I'm always a fan of Joaquin Phoenix, though, basically, whatever he does. I'm also a fan of his younger brother, River, you know, when he was alive. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I might be a little biased, but I love the movie. Excellent. Um, I spent the entire weekend watching Annihilation again, but that's not my suggested viewing. It just came out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Uh, But what I did watch was one that I had to review for the site that I was really surprised by, and it's called Future Language. It's a documentary on Von Elmo, um, who was, you know, I'm not an expert on this genre of music by by a long shot, but he was one of the first, he was, according to the to the, the director of this film, and Von Elmo himself, he was the progenitor of No Wave and stuff like that, like the 70s No Wave, uh, you know, punk, like post-punk type stuff. Uh, around the same time as like the Ramones and things like that. So this documentary, it's a very, very stripped down, cool, fa- I mean, literally the girl says, uh, and of course, I, she's, her name's escaping my memory now, but she said this is a fan film. I did, you know, and I just happened, he was my favorite artist and I wanted to do a film on this guy. And it's a really wild ride with this guy because the guy's fucking nuts. (laughs) And he's got some very interesting theories on life and things like that. So as far as a cool, like, you know, doc, like, you know, music doc, rock doc, rockumentary, whatever you want to call it. um, That's interesting. Uh, I don't think it's out domestically yet. We got, we got a screener for it. Yeah. My review, I think is probably as efficient as Raw is these days. It's probably already up on the site. Because uh, I gave him the review on Sunday, uh, so you can check out the review on the, at the site, um, and I highly recommend seeing that when it comes out anywhere you can see it, buy it, cool, steal cool. It, I don't know, whatever you're gonna do, <laughs> check it out. Sounds like a check good one. it. Now the other film that I watched all damn weekend too is the subject of tonight's show. But we're gonna get into his stuff first. Oh fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Gently, it's it's, it's a Sudafed. It's a yeah. Sudafed. I'm high on Sudafed right now. Sorry about that, Sam. I just Oh you're fine, Scott. I'll we're, let we, it slide this time. We we we, we <laughs> people come down here and we just ignore them and we just we just go on with our own shit. Sam. Yo. What do you do? What do I do? I'm a filmmaker and a musician. 
Um, I've been making movies and music for about 15 years. Um, I went to Interlochen to study film as a postgraduate and then art center in California to get my BFA in film directing. Um, after graduating, I came back home to Michigan to make Reveries. Ended up falling apart. I ended up getting into music and uh, looping kind of 80s post-punk stuff. And uh, I decided to get back into Reveries after seeing Stranger Things 2 because it kind of reinstilled uh, confidence in my original idea. You know, I thought there's a demand for retro psychedelic coming of age movies still so yeah it kind of pumped it back into action and we we made it on a shoestring budget for like 3500 bucks um you know 40 minute runtime approximately okay um yeah i think it was a pretty big success for being extremely uh gorilla and low-key so you you put this down for a while you said you, mm. you took a break about from a you year came, you came about and a year. you came back to it coming back to something like that i mean was it partly done or was it like yeah i mean i've been working on this since i was about 15 years old um so there's a lot of different versions of it but coming back to it, it i i said you know what this Did you start to... from scratch yeah i okay. started from scratch i said this needs to be way better than anything i've ever done and i need to make it amazing <laughs> sometimes you just gotta kill it with fire and yeah. start all over again so i just tried to set the bar really high and intertwine all the ideas um that mm. i kind of had over the years about it What's like a synopsis of it? Like, what's it about? I would say Reveries is a psychological coming-of-age story about a, a young man dealing with extreme anxiety in 1995. It's also loosely based on the Oakland County child killer, if you guys know who no, that is. what's that? Yeah. Um, he's a killer from the 70s mm -hmm. who's actually still at large. He never got uh, identified. But uh, so we, we wanted to use that kind of real horror for this fictional circumstance. Um, but yeah, it's it's a love story. It's a mystery. It's a, it's a lot of things, really. Um, it plays with dreams and reality mm -hmm. a lot, like Vanilla Sky, um, Donnie Darko, of course, um, <coughs> with elements of like Perks of Being a Wallflower and stuff like that. Did you do the music for it too? Um, yeah, I did. I did score uh, most of it. I wanted to kind of have a, a post-punk, New Order, Joy Division, Cure edge to it. Um, I'm uh, getting hard yes, right now. Yes, Chris is getting hard. It's <laughs> you won't be able to tell, but he is. A tent in his shorts. Boing. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, do you, do you guys know Captain Jazz, the Chicago punk band? I do not. Okay. No, sorry. Or American Football? I do, I do not. Name. Okay, well, never mind. So the, the guitarist of Captain Jazz, Victor Villarreal, uh, helped out with some of the songs as well. Um, you know, he's like a personal hero of mine, so that was really cool. Also, the Downhouse, a post-punk band of California, helped out with the music as well. Um, so yeah, I just this it just f worked out really perfectly for the the movie's purpose. I think it sounds so like you're crap. Done. Go, go ahead, Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're right. Uh, it's it's essentially done. I still need to uh, make a final cut. You know, uh, smoothing out the edges, but very close. But it'll be released this summer. Okay. Sounds like you're cramming a whole lot of stuff into 40 minutes. Well, you're right. It's, it's extremely <laughs> dense material. There's a ton of content involved. It could easily be like, um, like a like a six part uh, TV series type thing if yeah. I wanted it to be. There's a ton of um, content and material in, involved with the idea. Well, you know the thing with film, especially these days, um, and I like I'm not like I I can't be like Michelle, for example, Michelle. Uh, it's amazing to watch her at her like in her natural habitat because she's constantly digesting films all the time. She's always working right where me. I'm so selective like I've been like that since I was younger where in my in my thought process. Maybe it's a, maybe it's it's probably to my detriment is OK. 
I'm going to throw 90 minutes to 120 minutes at this thing. It could suck. I don't know if I want to take a, take a chance on this. And I move away from a lot of films, which is really dumb, I know, because there's very few films, very few films that I've watched where I'm like, this is a total piece of shit. I'm turning it off. I mean, it's very, I, I can't, I can count on one hand how many times I've done that in my entire life. When I get into a film, no matter how bad or good it may be to the broad spectrum, um, you know, I'm still going to enjoy it to a certain degree. However, there is that problem I'm talking about, though. When I look at a film and say, okay, this is an hour and a half long, two hours long, sometimes it's tough for me to get into something like that. I be, and I've been saying this a lot on the show for the last year, especially. I'm really drawn, you know, I review a lot of the rock docs and stuff for the, for the movie sleuth. And a lot of those are hour long, 45 minutes long, half an hour long sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Makes it tough to make it write a review for that sometimes. You don't sure. have a lot of stuff to work with. However, I do like films that are a little bit more condensed, a little more streamlined, right? And I honestly think, there, and there, if, there, if there are complaints of films, I think one of the, as a reviewer, I know Michelle and Chris can attest to this. There's a lot of films we've said this about where, like, you know, they could have knocked a half an hour off of that. I, I will attest to that as well. I say that yeah. all the time about every movie, basically. There's yeah. always, I think it could, every movie could basically always be shorter, at least a little bit. Yeah. I, I always say that. Too, yeah. So. So, Trim the fat. Yeah. Trim the fat. Yeah. Get rid of the excess, the things you don't need. Yeah. You know, like The Last Jedi, like the entire Canto Bite thing. Like if yeah. they would have taken that half hour out of the movie, yeah. a lot of people would not have had the problems they had with it yeah. Yeah. because it would have flowed a lot better. Yeah. So I mean, this does, I will admit, I think this does feed into the bigger spectrum of how things work today where we, and I don't care how, how old or young you are, I think as a society, our attention spans are getting a little shorter. It's just a thing that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna adapt to that. I like to think I'm a little bit more attuned to like having long term thought, uh, but I do like twenty minutes, half an hour, forty minutes, hour, right? Something like that. Uh, make it dense, make it mean something, mm -hmm. right? And it sounds like that's the path you're on with this, so I'm excited to see this. Yeah, it's very dense, and it is hard to explain because there is so many things <coughs> that are happening in it. There's, like, a man made of lead, for instance. There's a, a false accusation of kidnapping a girl. There's running away. There's changing identity. It's about a lot of things. I think, you know, the main message about the movie is just about being present with your own life. And I thought that, you know, that was kind of relevant today with uh, the changing America yeah, you know, just kind of focusing on what you have to do as a human instead of focusing on all the other shit that's been happening lately. Well, it's an interesting philosophy because I I find myself saying that all the time. Like, if <clears throat> I know there's complicated, massive problems all over the planet. Let's just say this country, right? Uh, it has all types of different colors and all types of different shapes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, I do think a lot of a lot of problems they do go down to the micro with a person themselves and the res you know the responsibilities they have the decisions they make every day right um, look if you are a shitbag for the first 20 years of your life don't expect the next 20 years to be very good <laughs> I, I mean i don't know any other nice way to say it it does come down to that so you know i think if you know what you're talking about that idea and I'm, i don't want to get too philosophical and go into the weeds too far here but <laughs> well it's um, because like uh, your perception of yourself colors your perception of your reality yeah so maybe it's like when i watched your trailer it seemed like the the main character was having maybe visual hallucinations and like maybe his anxieties are manifesting themselves into images imagery for him like something of on-site 
uh, paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Alluding to that, not necessarily that. It's more yeah. of a special person in a special circumstance, kind of yeah. like Donnie Darko. Um, but yeah, definitely elements of, of mental health in there for sure. Well, yeah. I like the idea of, uh, <coughs> and I also, you know, and Donnie Darko kind of does this too, especially not the director's cut, but the theatrical cut. It kind of, it, it blurs the line between, like, the theatrical cut, you can read it as he's uh, mentally ill also. Like, yeah. you can read it, like, on a on a literal level as the, the time traveling and all that stuff. But you can also read it as he's just mentally ill and he's, and, he's, and he's having onset paranoid schizophrenia, like you said, because even a psychologist is diagnosing him with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he takes medication for it in the film. Uh, the director's cut kind of ruins that because it adds all sort of, it, it explains right. too much in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. How I, that's why I prefer the theatrical cut because it, it leaves it open a little bit for interpretation. So I, well, I want to get into the trim down. Part. It's mm-hmm. what it. Well, yeah, like yeah. it. But I was I was kind of thinking of that because you were saying um, you like it when things are shorter, and Donnie Darko is actually a perfect example of this because the theatrical cut, in my opinion, is superior to the director's cut because it's it's shorter. He, it, it cuts out a lot of the the information that you don't need. You know, it's not not necessarily because it's longer. It's better, you know. Right. So a couple of people have asked, though, and we should probably. No, I don't want to listen to what yeah. they have to we say. We should answer <laughs> these questions. Um, when is Reverie is going to be released? Oh, Where that, can people yeah. see it? Yeah. And, you know, what other plans do you have around the film? So it's going to be released um, most likely in August in the Detroit area. Um, we don't have specifics yet for that. It's still kind of up in the air. Um, and yeah, as far as future plans, um, ideally we would be able to get funding for, uh, a feature version with real actors, et cetera, um, an actual crew. (laughs) Um, I mean, we, we worked really well with the people we had and the crew we had. Um, but I mean, to, to pump it up and really put it on the, on the scale of things, um, you know, with maybe like fingers crossed a 24 or something like that would be amazing. Um, yeah, I've been a long, uh, long, very long-term fan of them since they started. Um, we get a lot of their screeners now, which yeah, is really great. nice. Yeah, they're a great company. I honestly, every single thing they release, I'm like, it's super good. It's <laughs> like, so good. They they curate their output so well. Yeah. Like you know, a lot of company. You know, I guess they have the leg the luxury to do that because they're independent. But you know, that just every single film they do is just amazing to me. Yeah. It'll also be um it'll also be released online once we've screened it so probably in August as well on my YouTube channel uh, Illuminated Pro, um so you can find all the information there. Also hashtag Reveries Film. All the updates are on there on Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. Excellent. Yeah. This sounds like a lot of fun, and I like it's the a ton of work, street. man. I oh, don't dude, <laughs> I, I don't know how people do it. I don't know. Either. You know, it, it's. <laughs> it, you know, and going back to that point, there have been a couple of films that I know that I personally have reviewed over the last couple of years with this group, and they were bad. They were really bad. Yeah, yeah. They were really. However, it and it's heartbreaking going on that point you just made. Um, even even in the throes of something that I'm like, man, this is just not good. This is really bad. I still like to point out, like, look, you know what? This doesn't do it for me. But I do respect the amount of work that I know that goes into something like this. Whatever review I've written, I've always put that in there. Like, look, you know, it isn't going to be for everybody. And it might just be downright bad, right? Sure. Not, everybody's got to crawl before they can walk if this is what you want to do with yourself, right? Um, 
but yeah, I do respect the work that goes into stuff like that. I, I know Michelle does. I know Chris does also. I can speak for them on that. Well, I think the, you know, <coughs> being critical, you know, it involves all angles of it. You can't be a film critic or a reviewer or somebody that writes about films without having to look at all sides, all aspects. Oh yeah, of totally. It. You have to accept the bad with the good and the great with the not so great. Um, otherwise your function as a writer just doesn't exist properly. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it makes total you sense. have to be able to dive into all of it because at some point you're going to find really special things like upgrade that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. It's a really special movie. It's a different, it's not something you see typically. Yeah. And if we were not writing about movies, we would not have had access to that so yeah. early on. So, yeah. all right. All right. Donnie Darko. We've already mentioned that. Yeah. I, yeah. So today's, Subject of the film. I, I'm going to try to build it up like I did before. Before <laughs> I shat all over Sam, unfortunately. Sorry about that, dude. Um, I'm used to it. <laughs> well, it does tie in. Um, and it, it obviously ties in because, uh, I mean, it came up so many times just talking about your film. Right, you right. Know? Very linked, I would say. We want to talk about Donnie Darko today. Um, can I start off with just something really quick? I know yeah. I have no spare for words today. Yeah. But... I have not seen Donnie Darko, honestly, since it came out back in 2001, 2002-ish, wow. right? yeah. And I've said this before about certain films. When I saw him with very young eyes, I didn't think too much about him. Well, yeah, whatever. You know, and, you know, that's, that's a long, what, 17 years ago? Yeah. Um, I know, look, my, my taste in films back then was much different than it is now, Um so I didn't pay much attention to this film. And when we were talking about let's do a, do a show on Donnie Darko, I'm like, well, I really need to go back and look at this thing. I haven't watched it mm -hmm. in a lot of years. And this is one of those wonderful things. Uh, you, when you get a little older and a little more seasoned and your tastes are more refined and you got you got some gray in your beard and stuff like that. Um, man, this movie fucking rules. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> what the hell was I thinking? So good. Oh so, my it's so God. watchable. You can watch it so many times. I've watched it seven or eight times mm -hmm. since the weekend. I watched it before I came here. It's so quotable, too. Some of the stuff about, yeah. like, you know, the Smurfs in it. Oh, yeah. Like, I was rewatching it today, and I'm like, I mean, there is some really great dialogue in there that yeah. you can quote repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, it does mix a lot of the fun elements, you know, of adolescence with some very, very big ideas. Depending on, and Michelle, you already pointed that out, depending on your viewpoint of how you want to look at this film, you can look at it two ways, I think. I agree. You're, one would be the simple way, I think, of this person is obviously delusional. They have major mental issues, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, uh, Donnie Darko. Uh, or you can look at it from the dork's point of view, like I like to look at things, and say, okay, this is a movie about fucking time travel. Holy shit. And I, that idea, dare I go back to this film, because I've brought it up so many times, you know, over our tenure on this podcast is Primer, right? Or Primer, Primer, Primer. how you want to say it. Um, Primer is my all-time favorite time travel movie. It's now that's so that movie is so fucking effective, man. So super, effective. super low budget, too. super low budget. Oh my god. Anyway, I'll, I digress from that. Um, this movie begs a person, and we, let's go from here, right? This movie begs a person after they've watched it with a critical mind to really think about the movie itself and go back and revisit the film or 
you know, work, look at the companion pieces, uh, the philosophy of time travel, which was like, you know, a fake book kind of written yep. around that, which I read a couple times. It's just a couple pages. It's just yeah, a fun I've thing. I've read, read it too. Yeah. It's a, and it's a very interesting read. The concepts are kind of, you know, it's not very fleshed out. You know, it's, it's very, very, you know, top level. But the ideas that the philosophy of time travel uh, presents are fascinating. Mm-hmm. Right. When the movie first came out, uh, <coughs> there was it had a really cool website that went with it. Yeah, and you could it's click still around. Oh, I didn't actually look it up to see if it was still there, but I remember being obsessed with this website because it was really cryptic, and you could click on different stuff. This is you know, and let like you could click different symbols on the website, and it would take you to little pieces and chunks of stuff from the movie and writing and hints. And I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, like the entire the movie is kind of like meta in a way that it wants you to research outside of the parameters That's, of the actual film to yeah. understand what's going on in the film, yeah. which some people would say is a detriment that you should be able to just watch the film. And you can you can just watch the film and understand it. But I I really enjoy the fact that it has all these real world things you can look at to like enhance your understanding of the film but that it's not necessary no but it's just like really interesting that he that he crafted all this stuff outside of the the film itself for you to discover you know well he created his own fan fiction for the film yeah yeah you know i was gonna say that okay i do understand where somebody would say look this movie should be able to tell a story on its own and you should be able to watch the film understand the story and move on with your life right however Going back on fan fiction. Why do people do that? After they watch a film, they become so obsessed with a story, an idea, a character, whatever it might be within that universe that's presented to you that they want to explore it even more and maybe try to create their own ideas about this universe they've become obsessed with. Uh, that's what this film, you can do that with this film. And I think personally that makes things a lot more. That, that, that takes it from just being like, let's just watch a movie and you know see a story get played out yeah. to an actual experience. Like, you know, if you want to put the time to it, I do understand that some people don't want to put the time into that. They just want to watch a movie, zone out for an hour and a half, two hours, and then move on with their life. Sorry, folks. We lost our feed for a minute there. Good. It's back. Oh, we're back? Oh, I don't know. Damn. I hope so. But I think that's what that's what this film, after watching it now. Sorry, we, guys. What? Yeah, we lost our into, okay, entire yeah. feed. Internet went Oops. down for a second. Oh, well. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh that's what really, when after watching the movie now in 2018, I was obsessed, you know, with just the ideas presented. I think, you know, I going back to that, I think when you're younger, you don't, I mean, I, I know when I was younger, it was just like, let's watch shit blow up and, you know, boobies or whatever it might be. And that's it, right? Now I want to know more. And I'm even, even while we're, as we're talking about this show on the podcast right now, I, you know, I've been looking at stuff today, like thinking about ideas about time travel and all these weird things and how, how how these ideas were presented in Donnie Darko. That, to me, was one of my biggest takeaways from watching this film, preparing for this podcast, was just the depth this film has and how it begs for a viewer to walk away from this and not just forget it. Like I did 17 years ago, (laughs) which I'm friggin' really embarrassed about. Um, That's where I'm kind of at. I mean, that's, that's, and there's a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, your turn, Chris. I'm I lost down. track there for a minute. So <laughs> oh, way to go, Michelle. <laughs> well, I, had um, to, I had to fix the problem. <laughs> well, this movie came out 17 years ago, so I was 20. 
so like let's not do math for that but um you're still 14 <laughs> uh donnie darko was one of the first movies i saw that was really just strange and i remember like yeah. somebody telling me man you gotta see donnie darko it's nuts and like i i've always been into movies uh, n- not to the degree I am now, but I've always like loved watching movies. Uh, I don't back then. I just watched them to enjoy them. Not that I don't now, but I didn't have the capacity to like dissect them that I do now because I learned uh, I learned about like the hows and whys and film theory and all that stuff. Now I can yeah. watch them in a completely different way. But when I was in twenty, I would just absorb the movie. I was a, I was a, what's the word a passive watcher. Instead of an active watcher. That's what I was. That's what I'm saying with me. Yeah, it was the same idea. Just yeah, watch a movie. Yeah, I was just, so when I was 20, I just turned on Dying Darko because I heard it was cool and it like fucking blew my mind. Like it was, it was so strange and out there, and I loved that it, it was one of the first movies that it just didn't reveal everything in one watch. Yeah, you had to kind of dig around and and really, uh, you know, try to figure out what was going on. Um, I, I think it gets a little bit. It has a kind of backlash now because it's become a little cliche, that style of movie, the dark emo indie film. Donnie Darko kind of like started that a little bit, that kind of, uh, I've heard people say it's pretentious and all that. I don't agree with that. No, I don't either. But I can see why people would think that because the film doesn't hold your hand in any sort of, with any of the ideas or the concepts or the, you know, and it doesn't... And the theatrical version doesn't have all the extra exposition and stuff like the director's cut. So I really like movies that uh, respect your <coughs> intelligence. Primer is another movie like that. Primer, the guy that directed Primer is like an engineer and a mathematician on top of being a director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he literally wrote Primer in engineer language and didn't explain anything in it. So like you just get it or you don't. And I absolutely love that take on a film like here is i'm not going to dumb it down for you i'm not going to have some guy explaining it to you like in like interstellar's uh black, black hole works and <laughs> folds a paper and fucking puts the things i'm not going to that Darnie darko doesn't do that at yeah. all it yeah. makes you do all the footwork yeah. to figure out what's going on and i really like that but that kind of thing pisses some people off some people don't and i'm not saying they're bad because they don't want you know to think while they're watching a movie but some people feel like attacked by a film that doesn't explain everything to them like they they feel upset like they missed stuff you know and then and then they're angry at the film and that's a lot of times where you hear the word pretentious get thrown around it was pretentious like when really the movie's just there you go trevor the movie doesn't (laughs) owe you anything you know it's just like well i mean honestly i didn't understand donnie docker the first time i watched it i didn't understand it the second time i watched it it took me four or five times to really piece together what the fuck was going on and even now there's still some shit i'm like hmm you know sure well, learning how the, all the moving pieces in this film work is similar to trying to understand how a complicated machine works, though, too. Yeah. There's so many elements in this film. And in my just, like, watching, like, you know, walkthroughs and, and YouTube videos and people trying to explain this stuff, yeah, the, the, every character in the... I mean, you know, in, like, any film, I mean, a character... You, you, you have characters, and they all have a part in that story, right? But to me, Donnie Darko, the characters are pieces of a machine. They all have their purpose, and if one of those pieces were to break down or be removed, the machine would fall apart. Which yeah. is what's happening in the film because 
he's uh the there's a primary timeline and a tangent prim- yep. timeline well, and the primary, primary universe tangent universe yes yeah, and yeah. the primary universe is broken because there's a tangent now and Donnie Darko basically has to fix what's broken in the timeline you got it so it's like a machine that's not working well yeah and Donnie Darko's like the mechanic but he doesn't know what tools to use which I always thought was just like this like the first time I watched that, I didn't get any of that stuff from it. Like it was just a cool, mysterious, dark, almost like horror kind of thing. And and it's kind of like the funny thing with the the interesting thing is Frank, the the character of Frank the the bunny or whatever yeah, is the, like the bunny is a he's like a red herring because when you first watch the film, it seems like he's a a, a monster yeah. or he has a like a nefarious intentions with Donnie and then you realize exactly. he doesn't right he's actually helping him he's helping yeah. him but yeah. like the first time you watch the film the entire film you think that he's bad and he's right. not because of his looks yeah. which is like fucking genius like the the way they set that up um the way that the ending recontextualizes all the stuff that comes before it like it's just genius the way it's constructed like the entire thing well and it's constructed like that goes right back at that point I said it's constructed this mm-hmm. film, I don't think this film was written. I look at it more of something that was constructed. It was a, it's a machine that was built. And again, if one of those pieces were to be removed, let's just say you could yank something out, right? Um, that machine would fail and bad things would happen. The physical universe would, would be destroyed in this yeah. case. There's right? a lot of archetypes at play in the movie, like a lot of specific characters that don't really get repeated. They're just kind of, like you said, it's part of this machine. Well, yeah, there's the uh, the uh, the FAA agent yep. in the red tracksuit. Yep. That's one. <laughs> and he actually shows up twice in the film. He shows up in the in the scene after the the first time the jet engine lands in the on the on the house. Mm-hmm. He's actually one of the FAA, you know, in the black oh, suit. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then they, you see him later on with the kiss scene. Well, yeah. when they were gonna... And then he's, he's at the Halloween party too with the flash. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. So uh, that is repeating, but they're all different kind of characters. They're different. They look different, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it's just it's such a complicated movie. That's what and that's what makes this thing. It's it's fun to talk about this thing, but even after watching the hell out of this thing over the weekend and reading the philosophy of time travel, and again watching all these crazy YouTube videos of people, I'm still like, okay, I still need to reset. Yeah, but that's what makes a fucking great movie, though. I think too is I keep wanting to go back to it. And watch it over and over again. I think the interesting thing, at least to me, is that the time traveling aspect of it is just window dressing. And it's really just a coming of age story for Donnie Darko, which is like uh, with sci-fi trappings over the top of it. Yeah. Because it's just Donnie Darko. He's basically has, what's the word, ennui. Like he doesn't care about anything anymore. He's just kind of like done with life. Like his character is so disenfranchised with like society. Like every chance he gets, he's rebelling. Right, but, right. Uh, even like, in, even in his friend group, yeah. he's like smarter than his friends, and yeah. they well, know it, and he knows and, it. And yeah. that's what I was gonna say. Like, well, he's when, dominant. When I was rewatching it today, Donnie's kind of like this dorky loner, but he has these friends, and he's kind of like the alpha male in that trio of him and his two buddies, and they just kind of like look up to him. Right, but he's, he's very still dominant. Kind of, mm-hmm. You know. But he's like, also, but in the big, you know, he's a big fish in a small pond because then, you know, you get to the bullies, Seth Rogen. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm always surprised that every time I rewatch him, I'm like, oh, yeah, Seth Rogen's yeah. in this and he's like 12. Yeah, like, you know, he's a big fish in a small pond. Then you get out to the, you know, the bigger pond and yeah, you know, he gets bullied like anybody, any other kid gets bullied, right? Yes. Uh, 
there are a lot of tie-ins with this film. And this is, again, from the research I've been doing. They show the scene, the Smurf scene we talked about a few minutes ago, where they Dude, have that, so that great conversation <laughs> about the Smurfs and Smurfette, where they show him shooting. Mm-hmm. Where they And the camera goes back and forth. He's a, he's a perfect shot every time. He don't miss. He hits every time he shoots. That is a tie-in. One of the things I was reading on said that was a tie-in to the actual jet engine in the Tangent Universe. He had to aim that jet engine through one through the portal, right? He had, had to actually shoot that and aim it. And they say that he used his marksmanship to do that. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, right? Well, supposedly, like... like it blew my mind when I heard that. I was like, that's so cool. What's the name of what he's called? Because uh, the, the person, what he is. Like, oh, man. Th- there's a name for oh, it. No. And they the light vessel? Or the, yes. The light vessel? Yes. No, because Roberta Sparrow is, is, one, term for is, it? Two, is one, too, right? You know what? Yeah. I got it right here. What, say it again. Vessel? I don't think it was no, a vessel. I, it was something else. Uh, but they supposedly get powers and stuff, too. Like, like basically... Yeah. Like the the timeline is trying to correct itself, and it picks somebody yeah, to correct people. it with, mm-hmm. and like it abuses them with special powers to help them, yeah, uh, reset the timeline back to where it's supposed to be to correct the the error, I guess. And yeah. So that's why I guess maybe he, basically, this is gonna sound like a really dorky reference, but um, I don't know if any of you guys have read The Dark Tower. All things serve the beam. Like there's this force called Ka where it like basically uh, life uh, tries to find balance and it and everything kind of like flows into a certain way to to keep the balance in the world. And I feel like it's time, like almost like a personification of time is like helping him, you know, fix what's broken. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make that make sense. Sounds like I'm high or something. No, it I'm makes not, sense to but. me. I don't <laughs> well, he talks too about um, God's path versus yes. you know a chosen path, and if you you know if you are able to make a choice or if you're just supposed to follow God's path, right? In, in quotes, it's like I don't that mean part to where he sees the stuff coming out. The of living him. receiver. Yeah, yes, that's it. That's <laughs> what I just he pulled is. down the, the the book. Go ahead. Sorry, what were you saying, Sam? Um, God's path. Yeah. Um, well, he's having this debate with uh, the teacher. Um, what's the actor's name? Um, oh, and he's young in it too. Um, damn it. He used to be in stuff, and now he's not. Also, I feel like he hasn't been. He's he's, ha- he's having the conversation with the to- the science teacher, and he <laughs> says that if Ken, you can- Ken, well, the, the 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 character's name is Ken Monatoff. Mm. And he and Ken says if they continue to have this conversation, he'll lose I can't, his job. I'll lose my job. You're right. Cause yeah. They're talking about God's you know will versus your will, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, he totally shut the conversation yeah. down. He's like, okay, I'll leave. So is God time? Is that what he's well, trying to like say? Ray, is, it, is it like God's path or is it your path? Or do you have a choice? Well, yeah, what he... they say from the stuff that I you know goofed around and read, and it's actually in the philosophy of time travel too, that you have, in this case, you have the physical universe, the tangent universe, and they say that there is this over umbrella type thing, which is God's universe, <laughs> God's path. I could be wrong on the, on the terminology, but they're saying that that does play into this also. Now, yeah, if you want to get all super religious, okay, fine. Oh, it was fine. Noah Wiley. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I knew it was yeah. Noah yeah. something. I guess if you want to get super religious for a second on this, yeah, the idea, I guess, could be God chose Donnie Darko to be the living receiver. Mm-hmm. He saw a problem. Why couldn't he just fix it? Okay, now I'll, I'll back off of that. We need uh, a teenage boy to do this. We need a teenage boy to do this. <laughs> so here's Donnie Darko, right? Um, 
that and that does come up like we're talking about in the conversation where yeah well, what about god's path right um that's what make you know and that's why i'm gonna hum and haw like anybody else is here because i don't quite understand all of it yet i think it's i i don't think anybody could really understand this film you know from from watching it like we do like really understand every piece i'm going through the philosophy of time travel and the one i one i downloaded and read today the person actually did annotations at the end and said okay well here's all the terminology from the book and here's all the people it applies to the living dead mm -hmm. well, the, the uh, receiver the manipulated dead oh, yeah. uh the manipulated living right uh you know and they and at the end they do apply all the characters to that but still i'm kind of going okay this would require in my opinion hours upon maybe dozens of hours of time to sit down and study it like you would study for a test yeah to understand how this machine actually works right um and that's what makes this goddamn movie so fascinating to me where i'm still scratching my head and i mean this is going to probably become a dumb project for me now to actually be able to do a damn seminar on this thing well, okay i'm gonna explain to you how this thing goes from memory now i studied it so much now i totally understand not just puking back facts but now i understand how this thing works like you would like when you were in college like you know in your trade whatever you do for a living you want to understand how things work right um that's how you make money <laughs> so but that's kind of how i'm feeling about donnie darko the film now and the and the film itself and the mechanics of the story i also liked uh how uh scathing the film was towards self-help stuff mm -hmm. i feel like this movie and i'm not sure of the dates but uh i think this movie came out when the secret was a big thing um yeah. And it's very and I, and and Patrick Swayze's character is totally like peddling, you know, an off-brand version of the secret. Yeah, fear yeah. and love. Fear yeah, and the love. fear and love thing. And I always found that really interesting because I can't stand that stuff. Yeah. And I find it really like patronizing and not helpful to anybody. And it, it preys on people when they're in their weakest point. And like I always like to joke, the secret is to write a book, the secret, and peddle it to people that need help and then make a million dollars because that's uh, you know that the person that wrote the secrets like you know rich and then like yeah. and who is actually like use the secret and it it's basically just like wait for good stuff to happen which i mean statistically if you just live something good's gonna happen to you like i always loved how it was very uh like you know scathing towards that idea and um patrick swayze's character as we all know ends up being a pedophile and I always like really I love the the interplay between him and the teacher that was like Catherine wanting to, Farmer. Yeah, she was yeah. wanting to ban the book, mm -hmm. and it was like so funny that she was like super offended by this book, and then she choreographs Sparkle Motion, have like the super sexy dance. Yeah, like she right. was okay with one thing but not the other, like which is totally it's how those type of people are. They're yeah, hypocrites. Right. And she she played that character perfectly. I know. Too. Oh, I want to I want to punch her in the head. <laughs> I want to kick her. Yeah, she's fantastic in that. Well, that that character, uh, Jim Cunningham, uh, Patrick Swayze, watching this film again and just all my years studying the paranormal and stuff like that, I've interviewed hundreds of Jim Cunninghams. Shysters. I'm not. I'm not proud of it. I was young. I was in college. I needed the money. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I've interviewed. I mean, it's so fascinating to this day. Uh, even in academia, uh, where I, when we were doing the show full time, when we were younger, I, I would get e just dozens of emails from people going, I've wrote this book. Here is the problem. 
here is the solution. I am the solution. I am the way by my book. This will, this will, I mean, I would get emails every day that said, this will change your life. If you read this book, if you have me on your show, I will change your life. And it got to a point like, you know, Jim Baker's shit. Like I was like, dude, I'm getting creeped out by some of this stuff, man. I'm like really getting creeped out. Um, nice people. The majority of them were very nice people, but they all had the same thing. You know, they all had this, well, this is the way, but wait, last week, that was the way. And the week before, that was the way. Now, as a, as a, as a, as a broadcaster and a journalist, I'm confused as hell. <laughs> it's a tough job to have when you're doing that. Seeing Jim Cunningham, I was like, oh, God, I've seen a million Jim. I've seen it. I've still seen yeah, it every yeah. day, man. Um, it's good to have different ideas, I think, you know, about the world. And in this case, you know, fear that's holding you down. Well, that's a fucking obvious point right there. Fear holds. That's part of the human condition. Fear does hold you down man uh and well, i think it's supposed to like it's also ties into subtext of the film which is you're trying you're being led to do something and you can either be a victim and let yourself uh be led or yeah. you can take control of your destiny and not be led which is you know the entire timeline is pushing uh donnie darko to do this thing and he's trying to fight it yeah. just like um people have these issues like when they have that scene where cunningham is addressing the the kids in the audience and yeah. they would come up and have a problem and like one kid's like you know uh i get beat up i need help and then he's like you know what's you know why because of fear like it wasn't actually like he wasn't giving him a solution no yeah. he was he, he was, was just, just letting him you know just, your fear is holding you down yes like I think the entire film was kind of like about trying to break out of loops. Uh, well, that's what break, it was. Yeah. That's the, when the when the film opens up. It's one of the things I read up on also. Uh, Donnie Darko stands. He sits up. He's laying on a road with his bicycle there. Yeah, on the ridge. He sits up and he kind of, you see the camera comes to his face and he kind of goes. Ah. Because what, what the idea was is that this has been a loop. Yeah, yeah. cycles. It starts where it ends. Yeah. And he keeps going through that loop, and he and he just he, and he subconsciously knows that he's in this, but he doesn't. Right? That's why he kind of goes, ah, you know. And the manipulated living, for example, the teachers, they there was a there's one little great little scene with uh, with Drew Barrymore and Noah, whatever, Wiley, Noah no, Wiley, Noah Wiley, <laughs> where they they're going through papers and they say Donnie Darko, yeah, and they, they both kind of go and they both just kind of laugh, right? I know. Um, it is about breaking loops like that, I think. That's part of the idea. It's it's subtle. You know, and you know what? I'm not I I I'll be honest, I didn't pick this stuff up. I had to be told. <laughs> but once you once you understand it, you're like, "Oh, wow, that does make sense." Right? Well, cuz everybody's stuck in in a cycle, whether it's like an, you know, whether it's a actual literal cycle like Die Darko stuck in or it's a cycle of uh like some people get uh they you know, get stuck in a cycle of self-sabotage. Like they start doing good and they sabotage themselves to where they're back at the point A. And there's like a, even <clears throat> a scene where, you know, they're, uh, when she's talking, she has on the chalkboard love and hate and it's a, it's a straight line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to be on this side or this side. I want to be over yeah, here. Well, it's much more complicated than that. He said, it's, it's not that simple. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not that simple. Yeah. And he tells her to shove her up her ass. Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. He told me to insert my... Forcibly insert it into my anus. In my anus. <laughs> but, um, but I think everything in the in the film, you know, kind of mirrors, 
each other there's like echoes of this like cycle idea that's like from the literal actual cycle that he's in to like you know cycles that the other characters also find themselves in um so i I always found that like really interesting how it kind of radiates outward like that you know from the physical to the metaphysical you know Mm. the further you get from the middle of the story so i'm gonna ask sam a question about this movie why do you think this continues to resonate with people hmm well i think i think too it's about um things not they don't appear as they seem um for instance donnie darko isn't a particularly likable character in the beginning of the Mm -hmm. movie but he ends up just being a guy who wants to save this girl's life you know um and then he becomes like a hero like he said you know like how do you know that i'm not a superhero yeah yeah um too i think too about that that you know the dad is kind of aloof and funny and you know, he's I, not really serious. Man. But then at the end, you see him bawling like a baby. And then the mom, who obviously uh, seems to care about Donnie the most, is just smoking a cigarette, watching the situation very withdrawn. Yeah. And then obviously Jim Cunningham becomes, you know, exposed and everything like that. Um, so I don't know. I think it's about, um, you know, things not are things aren't as they seem. And uh, why does it continue to resonate with people? I think I think it's what you guys were saying about the loops. I think that's uh, everyone can relate to that, and also being misunderstood um, and things kind of having this strange tone tonal line. Like it, there's a lot of dark humor in the movie where it's like you're not really sure if you're supposed to laugh and you're not really sure yeah, if you're supposed yeah. to take it seriously. Um, there's that nice juxtaposition of like kind of this awkward line of emotion. Like I always find every time I watch this movie, like the dynamic in the family. It just reminds me of like, oh yeah, the brother and sister are kind of at yep. odds with each other. Yeah, you but know, it's playful though. It's playful, but it reminds me of my own family. Like everybody has their own personalities, well, but somehow yeah. in that little shell of you know the five people in that family, it all works. You know, mm-hmm. all their differing personalities, it all like adds up to one congruent element in the movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and you find a lot of humor, yeah. like the dad, when she says yeah. she's going to vote for Dukakis, you know. <laughs> that's how she opens it up. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I, you know, when Donnie rides up to his bike up to the house, yeah. you see the opening scene of this big, beautiful, sprawling family home, and you see the father outside with, you know, who's doing yard work in like a pair of khaki pants and a nice yeah. button up, which is complete horse shit. It's it, it, that's one of those things I love. And that's one of them setups you see. And I'm like, no, when you're out doing yard work, you're in a ripped up pair of shorts and, and, and a fuck you t-shirt or something. And, you know, a Budweiser cap, anything that's just you can get sweaty in. Right. Um, but he's out there with the leaf blower. And then here comes the daughter. Yeah, and he- and he just starts, and that's where you see that whole thing get kind of thrown for a loop. Right? He's, yeah. She's just like blowing him, and he's laughing at her, yeah. right? <laughs> and then that's when you go to the dinner scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, there's a little bit in between, but that, and then you're thinking, okay, now, and other things I noticed too with this also, like there's this you know beautiful dining table, perfect family sitting there, and then I'm gonna vote for Dukakis. Father raises a piece of pizza up to his mouth. Yeah. Right? Like, you're thinking, okay, they're going to have some sprawling meal, like some, you know, beans and corn and, like, you know, your your all-American family meal, right? But no, they're eating pizza, you know, which to me, I'm like, okay, that – so what I got from that with that family was there's money there, there's success there, but there's also that rough-around-the-edge element given right. by the the – the discourse they had. You, once you, how do you suck a fuck? 
you know, back in, and you, you can tell the parents, and through the film, you see that happen over and over again. Like, they'll giggle and go, no, 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 stop that. You know, like when, you know, he forcibly insert my anus, you see the final, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so they have a sense of humor. They're they realistic. Like they're progressive. Yeah, they're yeah, they're progressive. very progressive. They have a sense of humor. They're realistic that their kids cannot be sheltered. They're going to learn filthy language uh, and they got to go with it. They're cool. They're actually cool parents, right? Um, and I like those people. Mm-hmm. I like both those people. I like them as parents. I thought they were really cool people. And I could identify with them to a certain degree. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, again, things are not what they seem. Because on the surface, if you just saw that house, you're like, well, that's a perfect, you know, whatever. But inside, it's like the hilarity's going on. These people are all just goofing around and talking shit to each other. You know what else is funny to me about this movie is it's this little independent film. There's not a high budget for this thing whatsoever. And you get this iconic Frank in this movie. Like the yeah. one thing you don't expect, but you have this one, the bunny, like it's the one thing you always connect back to this movie. Usually with smaller independent films, you don't get that. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. You've got t-shirts and posters and all different things of Frank. Yeah. It all connects back. Yeah. You know? Well, this film, frankly, I'll, I'll just say it. The, the, this film has the density of like 10 films. That's one thing I'll say. That's why it's so good. And you said you asked earlier, Chris, why it resonates. And I'm right with you on that, Sam. But I think we, we've already talked about why it resonates. There's still questions. People still wonder. And I mean, even with this document in front of us here, right, I, I'm still going, I, I, I'm trying to understand how this thing actually works, right? Um, and I think just the way it looked... Like that, this picture you have on our monitor over here, Chris. I mean, yeah. one of the most iconic scenes from the film where he pokes Frank in the eye. Um, he's got that smile on his face. It's not quite, you didn't quite catch the frame here. Yeah, yeah. But he, there's a lot of scenes you see that where Jake Gyllenhaal just kind of has this maniacal yeah, smile, this like private head smile. down, eyes, eyes tight, yep. right? Um, and I never really quite understood why he played it that way well that's really interesting seeing thematically because you think he's looking in a mirror so he's supposed to be seeing himself but he's seeing frank yeah so maybe like you know it's kind of like (coughs) playing with the idea that you know it's two sides of a coin like you know that's also why you could read it as he's having a a psychotic break yeah you know like that kind of you know that he's seeing things or but that scene is absolutely that was that scene that scene right there is what sold me on that movie that entire sequence is so well done and like it it comes out of nowhere too and yeah it does it's the music's perfect in it the lighting and like the, the cool thing about that face he makes it's all lighting because he's doing it the light just changes and then he's like oh like his his sister comes in yeah and she's like what are you doing and he just turns his head mm. just slightly and he looks completely different i love yeah. that look too that yeah. those change of looks that yeah. happens is great yeah it's just uh everything that the entire film is just like everything's not what it seems like frank looks scary but he's actually helping him cunningham mm-hmm. looks like a smooth good guy but he's actually bad on the inside so the whole entire movie's saying to you you can't trust what you see right drew barrymore yeah. seems really kind of like uh, astute in reserve but then she just screams Fah! yeah you know yeah i think it's like you know it's about the masks you wear uh, and then there's like an entire and there's like a really another really good scene is when he's in the theater and he's talking to frank and frank finally takes his mask off for the first time and you see it's like a human and it, and, it, and it's very because the the mask makes him 
monstrous and then he takes the mask off and you and you and he looks sad he looks like a sad dead man that's what he is a sad man as a young boy that's like basically been killed in the prime of his life and he's yeah. got and his eyes missing and it and it completely changes the dynamic or dynamic of that character yeah that's like one of the most pivotal scenes. When they you know? took that mask off, I mean, even seeing the movie, I've seen the movie already, but I went, even seeing it this weekend, when I was, I was going, oh, God, oh, shit, it's on. Oh, I mean, I got anxiety. Like, take off your mask. He says that in the theater. Well, because everybody, you know, has a mask that they put on to interact with the outer world that is completely different from what they feel inside because you can't, you, you can't walk around with all your anxieties showing. I mean, you can, and people bet? do. Want to bet? Well, I'm just saying it's it, 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 most people hide it because of that. You know, yeah. people hide Take it. Take a breath. To Take like, a breath. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Michelle. I'm just saying the movie's like t- all about the masks we wear. Yeah. Like whether metaphys- totally. you know, whether like literally in the case of Frank or, or you know, less literally in the case of like you said, the teacher <coughs> has this like facade she has to put on to, to keep her job. Yeah. Basically, you know. Or, and even that wasn't good enough. Yeah, or Cunningham had his mask, which was the self-help guru that was... Perfect. Ha- like, yeah, he was on a moral high horse, and it turns out he was one of the most disgusting people in the movie, you know? Yeah. So I think that's another, like, layer of the film is, like, the masks we wear and and what really totally. lies beneath. Totally. 100%. Great little pepperings also. Um, the, red, the red firebird. Uh, obviously, we see that towards the end of the film mm-hmm. uh, kills Gretchen that's actually in the beginning of the film too I picked it up kind of quick uh, as he's riding home mm, it's on that street it comes it? right by him oh boy it's Frank that's a, that's a good catch and Frank is is his sister's boyfriend oh really yeah oh, oh that's right yeah. Frank is his yeah. sister's boyfriend when he opens the, the fridger I think it is the first time when he opens no 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 yeah. I think it's during the party he opens the refrigerator up and they had that little that little Black. It says when to get beer, Frank. When to, when to get beer, yeah. Frank. I thought there was also one time he opened the fridge up and said, where's Frank? Also, where's, where's Donnie? Where's Donnie? Where's Donnie? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, where's Donnie? That was the first time he opened yeah. it and said, where's Donnie? Because he was out and about all night long. Um, I think you can go on watching this film and pick up cool stuff like that over and over again. I think that movie's peppered with that. You just have to be watching for the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, man, what a fucking cool flick. The music, the music is really <laughs> oh my good. God, too. Uh, yeah, I, I put the whole soundtrack on my list here too. Who did the score? I don't, I don't remember. Oh yeah, that was uh, Michael Andrews. Um, he did me, you, and everybody we know. Is that what it was called? That's a good movie too. Um, yeah, he. I love the soundtrack, the score. Oh my god, beautiful. Every single song goes so freaking perfectly with every scene. Like you can't even imagine it without it now. Like, it, what do you guys think about the director's cut music changes? Sucks. I love In Excess in the beginning with uh, In Never, Excess is my favorite band. Never of tear all us time, apart. So. That was really cool. I think. I think that was nice to have that lighter edge yeah. during the intro. But other than that, you know, the music choices were were good. And plus, I remember when that Mad World cover came out. Mm-hmm. It was like so popular <laughs> but it was it it's so strange to me how that the, that song's feeling changes so hard like like you know the original version's real fat like faster and poppier yeah. and, and 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 when he just slowed it down and made it acoustic it's like the most haunting song mm-hmm. ever yeah like it's just man and and that song is so connected to that film now like you can't hear that song and not think donnie darko yeah. like it's the, immediately what you think you know, which is like the sign of a good score or soundtrack, in my opinion, is when it's instantly 
recallable to the to the scene that it goes with in the yeah. film. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the the soundtrack it's in excess tears for fears. The church. Duran mm-hmm. Duran, Boingo Boingo, Joy Division, Echo Michael and the, the Bunnymen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now you look at this and you're like, my God, this is just an all star cast on the soundtrack, for God's sake. Oh, uh, so good. Just you don't get perfect. soundtracks like this anymore with that, with that, with as much density as the film has, too, mm-hmm. right? And this is coming from a guy who listens to metal all the time. I mean, even I love this. I love this music. Uh, so, yeah, that's another thing where, yeah, like you just said, Michelle, uh, you can identify with those scenes and the and and those songs. You think about that, or you hear that, vice versa. Um, Wasn't there a sequel to this movie? Which I did. I haven't <laughs> seen. Darko. There is was. It, is it a good? Darko. Sister. No. The younger it has uh, the <laughs> younger <laughs> si- the the girl that played the little sister in yeah. the first one, mm-hmm. Davy Chase. She plays S. Darko in the mm-hmm. sequel. So really is bad. it worth like checking I didn't, out? I didn't I've never it. seen it. It was very bad. <laughs> When it did it come out? Did, like right after, like couple years. Couple years at least. I don't know exactly, but what were they yeah. thinking? It's pretty bad. <laughs> Hard to watch. What were they thinking? <laughs> I might have to start. So, it out. S- Sam, your film's at the DIA tomorrow. Um. Well, that's my original music video, "Bad Dreams," is premiering at the DIA tomorrow of Cinetopia's Detroit Voices short competition. Uh, so that's seven p.m. Come out, you know. 15 bucks at the door, you get to see a bunch of local Detroit uh, filmmakers. Cool. And their movies. What time is it at? Seven. Damn, I see. I wish I would have known about this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I tried to do the whole, uh, you know, social uh, media on it. but you It's know, hard. It is. It's hard because there's it's so much out there now that you have to compete with as mm. far as events and marketing stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I also have a lot of shows coming up, which actually I do a lot of looping music with the Donnie Darko soundtrack specifically because I because I like the song so much. Yeah, you know? um, like In Excess and Tears for Fears, The Cure. So if that uh, tickles tickles your guys' fancy, come do- out. Do you for play those. synths? I play synths and beats That's on the what keyboard, I play too. and oh, I play like, bass on the keyboard and guitar and do other things. With is it a solo act? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, my solo act is called Taz. You can find me at Taz Jams hashtag Taz Jams. Um, so there's lots of live looping stuff. The Cure, The Smiths, a yeah. lot of '80s, a lot of classic rock, new wave. Dude, well, look, you look should Michelle totally. Antlers you pop should up. totally wow. play with the band I'm in. We're called Run from the Future, and we also oh, do ambient nice. uh, looping and hardware synths. And That's maybe cool. we should set a show up together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Have your people call my people, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to be having this party here this summer, so we need to hook that up. Yeah. You guys can it. play. You can play because that'll be nice, simple, and mm-hmm. nice and compact instead of. Full can I do dance. interpretive dance while you guys play? You can, and you will. Oh my god! <laughs> awesome. That will be recorded. Oh my god! I can't wait. You can do synchronized swimming too. Oh really? Yeah. Where? Yeah. In my yard. You, you don't have a fucking pool. We will have a pool oh, in wait. a couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, will you nice. get a pool? Yeah. yeah, we're getting a pool. Ooh. Just in time for that heat wave. Just in time for the heat summer. wave. Yeah. If I can get past this fucking days. cold, I, I'm, I'm yep. dying. <laughs> Oh, Michigan is so temperamental with this. the weather. Oh, I'm so tired of it, man. I'm surprised I got through this <laughs> show. But yeah, Dying Darker is a pretty cool flick, I guess. Awesome. If you <laughs> yeah. haven't seen it, definitely Damn, definitely watch it right now. I I'm... hope to God nobody's watched this that hasn't seen it because we spoiled every fucking inch of that shit. <laughs> well, that... <laughs> fucking no now. That's true. But, you know, it's it's embarrassing <laughs> to me like that I just put this movie on the shelf after watching it when it first came out. I just was like, whatever, you know. I've seen it. I watch it maybe once every couple of years. I get a, a hankering. I'm like, I'm a throwing old Donnie Darko. Yeah. It's just like a good movie. It's just 
it's a movie that's going to definitely, I know for myself, I might even come back to this on the show here because I am going to probably do some, you know, just meditating on this film because it's just, it has me kind of hooked now. I think a cool show would actually be, a cool podcast would be time travel movies. Have we ever done that? No, we have not. No. And there's a lot of them and I think that'd be interesting to, to, to talk about all the different kinds of Just talk about travel. Primer for an hour. That's all yeah. we're going to do. I got to watch yeah. Primer again. <laughs> Dude. Some Ooh, Back to the Future. Flick. Yeah. Yes. Looper. Yep. Uh, Looper's great. What's that one about? Oh, there was that one. Uh, uh, time Crimes, which is one of my favorites. I just time. saw that. It was amazing. Uh, I know. Isn't it's it really so good? Great. Was there one called Time Pilot? Uh, no, no, no. That was like a video game. Never mind. Uh, no, there was one about go, the people who went back in time to like night to like uh, World War II. It's an old flick. I saw it in the 80s. I'll find it. When we do it, I'll put it on my list. I know we I'll got find it. 12 then. Monkeys. That's time travel, right? Yeah, and that's a great flick, too. Dude, yeah, we could just to- we could totally like have a a whole podcast about that. We should. Oh, yeah. All right, folks. We're going to wrap this up for tonight. This was episode 85 of Real Crime. We are officially ancient. <laughs> we all wear diapers now. So we need someone to come change us. Hopefully you show up next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, find us on Instagram. Yeah. Find us at www.themoviesleuth.com. Check out Sam's projects on Facebook. We'll link those yeah, for, for you, Thanks for hanging too. out with us tonight, Sam. Yes, yeah. you're yeah. very yeah. welcome. To you, man. Pleasure to be here. I'm so, about it. we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes. 